is uh, going into Matthew 5 and looking at the Beatitudes that obviously uh, apply to each of us uh, individually, uh, but we've been trying to look at those within the context of uh, family, right? And uh, remember, we all agreed uh, in the beginning that we liked the idea uh, that God's going to work in our families in a way that brings blessing, right? And remember, every one of the Beatitudes uh, started out with that kind of promise, right? That God's going to work, bless, that he's going to do his highest and greatest good uh, for our families, right? And so this one uh, is the last of the Beatitudes. It's the longest uh, of the Beatitudes. It, uh, Matthew 5.10 is where it starts, and it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And kind of an interesting uh, thing right away is in that first, first part of the verse, blessed are those who are what? Persecuted. Whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> okay, we're putting blessing and persecution together, right? So it's like, okay, blessed are those who are persecuted. Whoa, this is good being persecuted. <laughs> yeah, actually, we're going to learn that's the case. This is the great paradox of this particular uh, beatitude. Uh, and as we look at the beatitude applied to our families, there's a simple, straightforward observation that we need to make as uh, Christ followers. And that is, if you're going to have a Christ-centered home, not, not just a you know, Christian home in name only, but if you're going to be a Christ-centered home, really sold out followers of Christ, and your whole family is going to be on board with that, then as a family, you just need to expect that persecution is going to come your way. That's just a simple truth. That's the truth of the Beatitude. That you just need to expect the persecution is going to come your way. And why is it going to come your way? Well, because you live different. Your family is different than the rest of the world, right? And that's what the Beatitude says. If you look at it close, it gives you the reason for persecution. It said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. What's that? Well, it's because you're doing it right, but not just because you're making good moral decisions. No, you're doing it right in that you're doing it according to God's way, God's word, right? That your family is not like every other family in the world. Your family belongs to Christ. He rules, he reigns, and so you live in a way that he directs, that he guides, that he prescribes, right? You live Christ-centered. And so when you live Christ-centered, your family is going to be different than the rest of the world. And because of that, you will experience persecution. It is the way it is. You look at John 15, it says, If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. This is Jesus speaking in the Gospel of John. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Pretty strong words, right? In fact, that, that word hate there often in our families like, whoa, hate, ooh, strong word. Yeah, strong principle, strong principle. The reality is for those of you that are Christ followers, right, your home is a different kind of home. And your home is going to run counterculture to the world. The world wants you to go along with the majority, right? The world just wants you to, to, to fit in, to go with whatever it is, right? But we don't do that. Christ-centered homes 
Christ-centered homes follow Christ. That's it. Right? Did you notice in, in the skit when, uh, you know, the, the son was saying, Oh, I'm going to do this. And, and the dad, where did the dad reach right away to respond to his son? I loved it. Bible was on the coffee table. He reached for the word and he said, Well, let's, let's apply the word into this situation into our family. Well, when you apply the word to a situation in your family, you're going to live according to that word, right? And that's going to separate you. That's going to make you different than the rest of the world. And the world doesn't like that. The world doesn't understand that. It is counterculture. And we see that, right? You know this. You see it across the board. How many things in our culture now have changed so dramatically because somehow the majority says it's okay, even though the Word continually and consistently says, no, that's just not what we do. So now Sunday morning, sports. The majority says that's okay, even though we know as Christ followers, Sunday morning is supposed to be God's day, right? The Word says Premarital, uh, premarital sex. The world says, well, that's okay. We just got to try it on to make sure we're a good fit. No, God's word says the exact opposite, right? Wait, wait. It's part of a covenant. It's part of that giftedness of marriage, right? How many things can you think of as you think about the way the culture has changed out there that somehow the majority now says, well, well it's okay, but that's just not true when you turn to the Scriptures, when you turn to the Word. So the reality for us is to understand our families are going to be different because we are Christ-driven, Word-driven families. Now, Mom and Dad, this is an important principle, uh, important principle for you to be able to communicate to your kids, for your kids to understand your family is just different. You have a different character, right? You think different, you operate different, you love different. It's just who we are as a family. And you saw that happening with this family, right? I mean, the game's going, everything's on, and right, everything stops because, hey, that's just not who we are, right? Uh, give you an example from uh, my own family, right? And I don't present this as, uh, hey, you know, I'm doing this, so boy, you ought to do this, and thus saith the Lord, right? No, I just give you an example of how it worked out in, in my particular family, and, you know, you can choose to do with it whatever you will, but in my particular family, one of the places for us as a family that we just kind of said we're going to be different uh, than the world is around the holiday of Halloween, okay? Uh, Jill and I kind of, you know, talked about that, and uh, we looked at that that experience and kind of did the research and understanding what's behind it all and said, yeah, that's just not one holiday we're really comfortable with, right? And so we, we in our family, we just never did Halloween, right? And uh, it's not that we're, we weren't with, you know, hey, you know, dress up and do creative play and all that. No, I mean, my, our kids had a whole box full of hats and Superman capes and, you know, all that stuff. And they were always having that fun, creative play. It wasn't that. It's just Halloween itself. It, we just, it just didn't fit for who we thought we needed to be uh, as a family. And so we had to sit down with our kids and explain that and just say, look, our family's different. Our family's different. And now what that meant for our kids was pretty powerful. Because you know what happened every Monday when they went to school after the holiday weekend, right? They went to school 
And what were all the other kids talking about? Hey, how much candy did you get, man? You should see the big honking bag I got. It was awesome. Right? And our kids had to say what? Yeah, no, we, we don't do that. We don't do that. But that was an extraordinarily valuable lesson for our kids to understand. The character of our family is different. We don't do that. And, and that multiplies itself in so many ways in your family. Not just around uh, one holiday, and you can, again, do whatever you want, but, but just helping your, your children understand your family is different. Your family is different. And it's actually in the Beatitude uh, itself, right? It says that we should expect persecution because we are blessed. And then as you get into the Beatitude, it's long. It goes longer. There's a, there's a change in the Beatitude. It starts talking more generally, right, about Christ followers. And then the Beatitude changes and gets personal. It's uh, right here, Matthew 5. So in the 11th verse, right, 10 was the start of the Beatitude. In the 11th verse, there's a tense change. And all of a sudden, Scripture starts applying it to you, right? It says, God blesses you. So if you got your half sheet out or you got your app going and you can highlight in there, just circle that, highlight that, whatever you need to do. I didn't bold the first you for you, but I did all the other ones because look how often it repeats itself. Right? This is a personal reality. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about who? You, right? It's, this is personal. You've got to be able to stand your own ground in Christ, not just as a family, but as a Christ follower. So mom and dad, you want to set an example for your kids? Stand your ground. Be different. Don't be like everybody else in the office on all this stuff. Don't, don't do business like every other business does. Do your business. Stand your ground. Be a Christ follower through and through. And let your kids see it. It's personal. And you want them to be able to understand this principle, right? To be personal and understand personally that they are willing to stand their own ground. Why? Because they too, like you, are followers. First and foremost, you're followers. We work really hard uh, at Christ Church with children and with our young people in the youth program, equipping them and trying to empower them with this principle to be able to stand out and to stand different than the crowd, to just not go with the crowd, right? Because that's what they need to do. They need to be able to stand up, stand out, and not just go with the flow, right, and just kind of fit in. We want them to stand up and be different, Right? Give an example. Uh, in uh, the church I served before coming to Christ Church, a uh, young uh, woman came to me. She was uh, probably freshman in high school at the time. <laughs> and she came on Sunday morning, and, and you could tell she was all upset. And she came to me and she said, Pastor, you know, can I talk to you when church is over? And I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. You could tell, you know, she's really upset about something. And so church ended, and her mom and dad went out and sat in the car, which I'm sure was real comfortable for them. And uh, she came in my office, and we sat and talked, and she's just like bawling. And she's like, I can't believe I have to tell you what I did over the weekend. I just I can't believe I did this. I told my parents I was going to go stay with a friend and stay overnight at her house. Well, I did that, but we went to her house, and then we snuck out, and we went to a party, and there was drinking at the party. 
And she said, I just thought, what am I doing? Why am I here? And then I left and I walked home alone and it was dark and I was scared. And, you know, she got done just pouring this story out. And to be honest, I listened and I said, that's it? <laughs> it's like, okay, good, right? But for her, what was happening? She understood she was different because she was a Christ follower. That's just not who she should be, right? That's not what she should do. She should stand different, even though the place was full of her friends, was full of all the other students, and they were having a great old time, and they were encouraging her to do what? Just go along, just fit in. She understood a principle that said what? No, this is personal. I'm a Christ follower. That, that's just not what, what I do, Right? And, and so that afternoon, I went over to the family's house and, and uh, sat down with mom and dad and her and, and uh, kind of helped her walk through and share that with mom and dad. And, you know, mom and dad did the real Christ-centered home thing, and they loved her and they forgave her. And, you know, everything was good. And they took me in the kitchen, and they said, so is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Praise God, right? You know, I mean, that's a, whoa, this is good stuff, right? But, right, mom and dad, isn't that what you want Isn't that what we want? We want our kids to make it personal and understand they have the strength to stand up, stand out, and take the hits for doing so. Because they're a Christ follower. And Christ followers live different. Look at 2 Timothy. It says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, right? Focus where? A life focused in Christ Jesus. If you're going to live that life, you will suffer persecution. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Galatians, Paul says about himself, right, in his own ministry. And and this guy was out there all the time, just out there for Christ all the time. And he was persecuted and whipped and beaten and jailed and shipwrecked and all that stuff, right? And, and he looks at his own, his own witness, and he says to the Galatians, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people. What does he understand? He's not there to fit in. That, that's not the gig. He's not there just to fit in and go along with the crowd. He's not there to please people. Who is he there to please? Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of... That's it. It's personal. He understands it. He's not there to just fit in, win the approval, but to be a different person. And we are not here to fit in either. We're here to be people who stand for Christ. And our families, our families stand for Christ as well. If you look at Luke uh, 6, where Jesus does the Beatitudes too, he says it this way, What a blessing awaits you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and cause uh, curse you. Uh, as evil because you do what? You follow someone different. You don't follow the way of the world. You follow the Son of Man. If you're going to have a Christ-centered family, you just need to expect, anticipate, let your kids understand you're a different family. And because of that, you're going to be ridiculed. You're going to take hits. But that's just who we are. And how does this happen? Why does this happen? Here is the most interesting thing about the Beatitude. Now, you've got to listen close and follow me on this one because this kind of winds and turns a little bit. You ready? Here's the way it goes. Not only should we expect persecution, but we should expect blessing in the persecution. 
Think about that one. So, blessing in the persecution. Look what he does. 5.10. Blessed are those who are persecuted. So, if blessing, follow, if blessing is God working in our life and doing the highest and greatest good for ourselves and for our families, right? If that's blessing, and if God is doing that, if God is blessing our families, then it means we will be different. And if we're different, it means we will be persecuted. And if we're persecuted, it means we will be blessed because we won't suffer the consequences of sin. Did you follow that? Think about this. If we're blessed, if God is working in our life, God is doing his highest and greatest good in our families, okay? Then our families are going to be different. We're, we're going to stand out different. And that, yeah, that means we're going to be persecuted. But that is an incredibly good thing. That is so good because it means we are standing in the right, righteous place with Christ. And we will avoid all the consequences of following the path of brokenness and sin. Being blessed and being persecuted is good. He even says, God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, and lie about you, and say all sorts of evil things against you, because you are my followers. Look at 12. Be happy about it. Be very glad. How can we be glad to be persecuted? Because it means we're being blessed. It means we're being blessed. Being blessed means we'll be persecuted. But because we're blessed and in the persecution, we're going to be blessed because we're not going to suffer the consequences of wandering away from Christ, of not following his word, of the consequences that go with sin. Did you get that? That's a book. That's a blow away there. If you just let that thing sink in on, in, on you all week, right? And it follows up. He follows up this way. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now look what he says. In the middle of that, the blessing, what? For theirs is, present tense, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When we're being persecuted, when we're living Christ's way, when our family is on that path that says we are blessed and we are different, and yet we're persecuted in that persecution, we're blessed because we don't face the consequences. What we do experience we experience the rule and the reign and the presence of the kingdom of heaven. We experience Jesus doing exactly what he promised to do. The highest and the best good for ourselves and for our families. Blessed are we. Oh, blessed are we who are persecuted. Because that's where God rules. That's where he rules when we follow him. In the book of Acts, you see it happen, right, in, in the apostles' lives. This is out of the fifth chapter. The apostles have been preaching in the temple. They get arrested. They get thrown in jail. God does a miracle, frees them. The guards come to get them. They're gone. They go to the, the leaders in the Sanhedrin and say, they're gone. I don't understand it. They find out they're out preaching again in the temple. So they drag them back in in front of the, the leaders. The leaders say, you're supposed to stop. The apostles say, we can't stop. We're different. We, 
we live for Christ. That's who we are. We can't stop. And so they flog them and say, no, you got to stop. And then they go on their way, and it says the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple courts and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach the message, Jesus is Messiah. What were they rejoicing in? Their persecution. Because in the persecution, they experienced Jesus. They experienced the rule of Jesus, the reign of Jesus in their lives. In our families, we should expect persecution. Because that means God is doing exactly what the Beatitude promises. He is blessing. He is blessing. We should also then anticipate uh, reward in that persecution. I want you to think about this this morning. Uh, We should anticipate generational reward. If you look at the first Peter five, it said God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things against you. Uh, be happy about it for great <laughs> for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Okay, here's what you need to think about. Mom and Dad, if you today if you today hear this message, God convicts you, and you say, We're gonna be a Christ centered home. Whatever it costs, whatever the persecution is, we're going to be a Christ-centered home. And our kids are going to get that. They're going to understand that. And, and they're going to live different lives. If you do that, how many generations do you think that decision will impact in your family? You want to do something great for your grandchildren before they're even born or a glimmer in somebody's eye? Do it now with your kids. You want to do something great for your great-grandchildren and their children's children? Do it now, in your home, today. Say, today, we're a different family. We're not going to blend in anymore. We're not going to fit in. We're going to be Christ-centered. It's going to rule. It's going to reign. It's going to drive our family. That's what we're going to be about, and we're going to be different. Think about the reward of that decision that will go through generations. That's what Jesus is promising us, is that if we do that, his blessing isn't just a once and done. His blessing is continual from generation to generation. Peter says, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he'll restore, he'll support, and he'll strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All we need to do is is make that choice in our families and say, from now on, we are going to be a blessed home. We're going to be a blessed home. We're going to be a Christ-centered home. So for a Christ-centered home, it means that we embrace. We embrace and we endure persecution. We embrace it and we endure it. We understand it. We get it. We know it. We know God is working there. We know that it is God's highest and greatest good for our family. And so we just welcome it and we walk into it and we say, hey, this is who we are. It's just who we are as a family. And we teach our kids that's who they are when they're in school and wherever they're going. That's just who we are. It's the character of who we are. First Peter, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering 
so that you'll have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed in the world. Don't be surprised. Just step into it. Step into it and welcome it. Peter says, if you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be what? Blessed, right? For the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Mom and Dad, wouldn't you want the Spirit of God to rest on your kids? Who would say no to that? Right? Who would say no to that? Yes. We want the Spirit to rest on our kids all day, all the time when they're away from us. And that happens because when they're with us, we understand these principles of the Beatitudes. And we say, we're going to be a Christ-centered home. We're going to be different. We're going to do it God's way. Matthew says, and remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. It just means we're getting in good company, right? Our family is going to join good company. The prophets who stood for God, the prophets who stood out in their culture, the prophets, even though they were persecuted, who were blessed over and over, the prophets who speak into our lives even today, generation to generation to generation. You see how it all works? Blessed, blessed are we when we're persecuted. So here's where I'm going to end you on the whole series uh, for, a, for a family. I just encourage you to take this home and uh, kind of make this a family uh, decoration, uh, decoration, declaration, family declaration around uh, this beatitude, right? Uh, and I, I rewrote the italics. That's my rewrite. Ready? God blesses families who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses each member of that family when people mock them and when they persecute them, when they lie about them, when they say all sorts of things against them, because this family is my followers. So be happy about it. Be very glad for a great award awaits that family in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Take that home. Think about that, mom and dad. Pray over that, mom and dad. Make that choice. Make that decision that says... No matter the cost, we're going to be a Christ-centered home. Let's pray. Father, thank you that uh, we could walk through this series over these weeks. Uh, it is incredibly good to know that you bless us and that you're willing to be in the midst of our families uh, bringing about the kingdom of heaven. And so we, we ask today, and we pray over all the mom and dads in the room, and we just pray you'd speak into their hearts and that they could uh, just step into what it means to be a Christian home. Uh, and we know it's not easy. Uh, we know, you know there's going to be hard things and persecution and insults and all the stuff that goes with it. But we know that's where blessing is. So we just ask you today, Lord, uh, just help us. Help us to, to step into that as a family and that our kids would be able to stand and not just blend in, but they would be able to stand in the word and in the truth and take the hits, uh, and that it would go not just for us, but for generations. So encourage us now and bless us in this we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
It's great to spend time over these last four weeks talking about how God chooses to bless us. It's because he's a generous God. He pours out blessings and abundance and grace into our lives. And so we celebrate a God of, of blessing, a God of generosity. Around here we talk a lot about generosity. Uh, it's part of who we are because we choose to reflect the God's own generosity. Uh, we're going to pause now and receive our tithes and our offerings. And uh, it's because we choose to be radically generous. If you're a, a guest with us this morning, thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. As the baskets come, please pass the baskets on by. We never ask our guests to make a gift. Your gift is being here, worshiping with us, hearing about who Christ is and how he wants to bless your home. If you are a covenant member, if you're a regular attendee, though, uh, we embrace God's blessings in our lives. And in turn, we choose to look for those opportunities to bless others. Uh, We believe that God is generous with us. And so we, in turn, uh, embrace generosity in our own lives. And this morning, uh, one of the cool things that we get to celebrate as, as, as we celebrate God's blessing and generosity in people's lives, one of the ways that our generosity here at church makes a difference generationally is by pouring into our youth and our youth program and our kids. And this morning, we are celebrating in a big way 26 kids who today are going to be taking communion for the very first time. They are going to be coming to the table and experiencing bread and wine. They're going to be experiencing Jesus Christ given for them, to them. And so we are celebrating because of your generosity as a church. It makes us able to pour into and bless and raise up our children that they can too take a stand uh, for Christ and follow after him. And so if you see any of these kids out in the atrium today, as you see them coming up, we're going to be you might see us out of the corner of your eye. We're going to be serving them over there in a special way. You can see they've got their uh, special squares that they made. And they uh, also made today's bread. Everybody who is communing today, you will be receiving bread that the class made together, which is pretty cool. Uh, we all get to participate and celebrate these young people as they, for the very first time, uh, take Christ through communion. And so we're really excited about that. So let's do that. Let's turn our attention. Let's turn our hearts and our thoughts towards communion. It is in communion that God does choose to bless us in a tangible, real way. He says, I love you, I forgive you, and I make you my own. I claim you as my child, and I I, I choose to work in your life for the highest and best. This is what we receive and believe in communion. I'd remind you, in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples to eat, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup. He gave thanks. And he gave it to all to drink, saying, Take and drink. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. If you wish to receive Christ's real presence, his real blessing in your life, his forgiveness and grace, he desires to give it to you this morning through these gifts of bread and wine. If you're not ready for Jesus in this way yet, that's okay. The invitation is to remain seated, come back, hear more about who Jesus is and the difference that he can make uh, in your life as he works. and.